now. Romans chapter 8, and we're going to move on to another section of Scripture here, uh, looking at the spirit of the law of life, or the law of the spirit of life, sorry, mixed that up. Verse number 14, it says this, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so, be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Let's pray. Lord, I just ask that you would just bless our time together. And I pray, Lord, you'd help us have a time where we can get something from heaven. Uh, Lord, thank you for your word. It's powerful. It's sharp. And Lord, it can really help us. And I pray, Lord, that today it would. I pray for someone here that is lost, that Lord, today they'd be saved. Oh, Lord, I pray for that soul. Draw that to yourself, I pray. But help us as believers to learn to walk in the Christian life, to walk according to the power of God. Help us, Lord, to be successful in this Christian life, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, we've looked at a couple of things already about the law of the spirit of life. So this law, law is something that you cannot break. Uh, when something is a law, it is unbreakable. The law of gravity, I'm sorry, you haven't broken it. Nobody ever has. You're going to break yourself against it. You want to jump off the ceiling, you want to jump off the roof, as much as you say, I'm going to break this law, you're not going to break it, it's going to break you. And so be careful about stuff like that. There was a law of sin and death. We looked at that in Romans chapter 7. That law of sin and death was unbreakable to you. You could not escape. You would have gone to hell. You would have suffered eternally because of the sin that is in you. But God came and did something about that. Amen. He's the one that changed that. He died in our place so that we would have a new law. And this new law that we have is the law of the spirit of life. And this spirit of life is incredible for us. It does so much for us. In fact, this passage in Romans 8, uh, it mentions, I believe, the spirit of God 17 times. And so the spirit of God has a lot to do with your Christian life. And you need to know what it is doing for you. And so the law of the spirit of life removes us from condemnation. We already looked at that by placing us into the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like the Noah and his family were placed into the ark and they were saved from the destruction, the, the law of the spirit of life places you into the ark of Christ and you will be saved from the destruction. Amen? That is a wonderful thing that the, spirit of the law means. It's unbreakable, by the way. You're in the ark. You ain't getting out. Amen? You're stuck in there. You're preserved. The book of Jude says you're preserved in Christ Jesus. Amen? Don't you love the doctrine of preservation? You've got to look at it as very important. It's important when it comes to this book, uh, Doctrine of Preservation. You've got to look at it when it comes to your soul. It's an important thing. And so we are preserved in Christ Jesus. There is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The law of the Spirit of life fulfills righteousness in us. This is another thing it does. It actually, the Lord's not just wanting you to stay the way you are. He wants to change you. And he does that by first imputing righteousness to you. That means charging it to your account from heaven, not from you. The righteousness that's from God is revealed from faith to faith, from the faith of Christ to the faith of man. It comes from God to you. 
And when you trusted the gospel and you believed the gospel, he gave you the righteousness that you needed to stand before God face to face. Amen? Without that, you would die. That's why Moses was, was warned. Hey, I'll put my hand over your face when you see my glory. I'll, I'll put you in the cleft of this rock before you can see my glory. But not for us. The Bible says that we will stand faultless before his glory in the book of Jude. Amen. And that's based upon that particular truth that we've been imputed righteousness. But that imputed righteousness isn't supposed to just stay there in that possessional realm. It's supposed to be practically fleshed out. So the Holy Spirit of God takes that imputed righteousness and he imparts it to us. He wants it to change us. He wants us to change our thinking, our actions. And so what we do is we're involved in this process called mind renewal. That mind renewal is allowing the Holy Spirit of God to change this thinker of yours up here. Amen? you got all kinds of things up there that ought not be there. And you've got to give him permission to change every bit of information that you have in your mind and exchange it for the truth of the Word of God. Amen? That's when you grow. And that's when the righteousness of God begins to be fleshed out through you. The Bible says, uh, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So how do you live your life? By the faith of the Son of God. Not those new versions you have there, not the NIV, ESV, they say the faith in. That's a different doctrine. You don't live by your faith in because when you live by your faith in, that means it's dependent upon your faith. You're the one in the driver's seat. No, sir. It says you live by the faith of. It's his faith that you live by. He's the one dictating to you what it is you ought to do and how you ought to live. Not that, oh, well, I feel this is the best thing I'm going to do. Well, I really believe this is what I ought to do. You're wrong. You're wrong. What you feel and what you believe has nothing to do with what God wants you to do. And your faith simply has to find its way and meld its way into the faith of Christ. Amen? Everybody's got faith. You believe you come from a monkey, that's faith. There's all kinds of faith out there, but that is profitless faith because the Bible says it's not mixed with truth. Amen? So truth is the key. And so if we're going to live our life, we've got to live by the faith of the Son of God, not by the faith in. And by the way, if your Bible there has in there, get rid of that Bible, because if it can take two letters and change it and totally mess up that doctrine, there's a lot more in that book that it's messed up. Amen. And that's just one mistake out of thousands. Please get rid of that. Get a King James Bible and get yourself an accurate Word of God. Amen? That's just where I stand. That's where we are. You don't like it. Say, preacher, I don't like that. Well, you don't have to, but that's where we're at. Amen? That's the way it's going to be. And so basically, I want you to understand some things as well. There's this passage here in Romans 8, 1. It says uh, that there, there's therefore no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who, what? Walk not out of the flesh, but out of the Spirit. And you say, well, what does that mean? Is that a condition? Is that something where God is giving us a condition as to whether we're actually under condemnation or not? Well, you say, wow, that sounds kind of interesting. In fact, twice in this passage, it has that same phrase. So what is it really talking about there? Well, folks, it's not talking about a condition. It's talking about an evidence. Yeah. See, there's only certain people in this world that can walk after the Spirit. Not everybody can. 
Only those that are born again have the capability and the potential to walk after the Spirit of God. Everybody else is walking after the flesh. They sound pretty good, they sound pretty spiritual, but they're still walking after the flesh. I mean, they're pastors and they're church workers and they got big religions and big churches, but they're still walking after the flesh. That has nothing to do with it. Amen? What we need to understand here is this is a positional truth. In, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. It says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. That means before you were saved, you were dead. Uh, your sins killed you to God. Your sins separated you from God. Your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And the Bible says that there's no way that you go to heaven if you continue on in that state. That's why he said to the Pharisees, you will die in your sins. If you die in your sins, you'll be eternally separated from God. And you'll have to go to that place where all of those that go that die in their sins, and that's called the lake of fire. That's where everybody that dies in their sins has to go. That's the place where God does not go. He is not there. He will never be there. Now, he's everywhere. God's here. God can see here. He's there. His presence. The, it's amazing. You get up in the morning, and the evidence of God is all around you. <laughs> Just the fact that the sun came up and shone, shone light on your face is, is an actually proof that God exists. Just the fact that you as a lost person, maybe never trust Christ, I don't care about religion, could actually turn down, uh, go and take your child and hold that child close to you and kiss it on the forehead and say, I love you and have that affection. That's because of God. <laughs> See, all those things that God gives, even the lost, and the Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust, and even those things that all the unjust you know, get from God, that prevenient grace, that common grace that God just gives to all people. He says, I, I don't care if you're Hitler, you're Osama bin Laden, I want the, the sun to shine on your life. Uh, I want you to be able to love your kids. I want you to feel these things that, that make up what I am. God is love. God is light. Hell is a place of darkness. Hell is a place of no love. There's no party in hell, folks. Oh, I'll just go where all my friends are. We're going to have a good old party. Oh, I'm sorry. The devil has deceived you. The Bible says they will be an abomination to you. <coughs> everybody in hell, you'll hate them. You'll hate everybody. <coughs> you'll hate yourself. Because there is no love. All there is is hate. It's not a place you want to be. If you're here today without Christ, can I encourage you <coughs> to make sure that you get saved? To make sure that you get your sins dealt with? <coughs> See this first verse here, excuse me. This first verse here in, in Ephesians chapter 2. And you hath he quickened. That means made alive, who were dead in your trespasses and sins. This isn't a process. This isn't a process of time. This isn't, well, one day it's going to happen. No, sir. This is based on a decision. This is based on you making a decision to receive Christ, and in that moment, you would turn from being dead to alive. That's where the Spirit of God comes in you. That's where you become born again. Notice what it says in verse 2. It says, Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world. 
according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had all, we all had our conversation in time past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. See, wherein in time past ye walked. Those that are made alive, those that are born again, you're not walking that anymore. That's a different walk. So what he's saying here, there's no condemnation to those that, uh, that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. He's saying, you're not like that. But you're those that can follow God. You're those that have the spirit of God inside of you. In fact, further on, it talks about how the spirit lives inside of you. And if you don't have the spirit, you're none of his. That means if you've never been born again, you don't belong to God. That means if you're not born again, it doesn't matter what you do, you'll never be with him. Because he doesn't belong. He, he, he has redeemed people on the cross of Calvary. Redemption means purchased. He purchased people. You have to accept that price. And when you do, then you're bought. Then the Spirit of God comes in you and seals you. And because he has sealed you, now you are his. Now you are his. And so you're different. There's two kinds of people on the world. There are those that walk after the flesh. That's these people. But the Bible says you're not like that anymore. That was in times past. That's not in present time. That's not in your future. You're those that walk after the Spirit. Now I realize we got people here today say, Preacher, I've been messing up a lot. Yeah, I know. We all do. And you're going to mess up till Jesus comes. But that doesn't mean you're like that. Because you've got a presence inside of you that has changed you. That's why you're in church today. Now, unless your parents brought you and dragged you by the ear. But you've made a choice to come here today, not because you had to, because there's something inside of you that is leading you. Leading you. And the Bible tells us that only those, it says as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Amen? Amen. Now, you may not be the best Christian. You may have a lot of problems. You may even be dealing with some sins in your life. But I know what you're not. You're not what you used to be. You're not what you used to be. We get up every morning and all it is about me, me, what I want, me. You can't do that anymore. Because inside of you is a presence, God's presence. He will not let you rest with that. He will constantly provoke you. He will constantly convict you. He'll constantly put pressure on you to walk after him. That's the kind of people you are. Now, you may be messing up, but that doesn't mean you're still not that kind of people. There's all kinds of things that hinder you in your mind from being everything you need to be. There's all kinds of garbage you let in that needs to be renewed. <laughs> There's no way anybody at salvation is going to become everything that God wants them to be that moment. In fact, when I got saved, my hair was still down to there. When I got saved, I still had to deal with smoking cigarettes. After I got saved, I still had to deal with smoking dope. But guess what? I was led by the Spirit of God. Yeah. And you know what he did? He led me all away from that stuff. 
It's not going to be like this. But you know something? He is going to lead you away from that. And as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. See, that's an evidence that you're actually a child of God. If I would ask the world today, are you a child of God? Everybody would say, well, of course. <laughs> I've heard so many people say, we're all the children of God. Let's all get along. I'm sorry, that's not true. Yeah. Not everybody in this world is a child of God. In fact, there's evidence of whether you're a child of God, and that's whether you're led by the Spirit of God. And that's whether you've got the Spirit of God inside of you. <laughs> Does God chastise you? Does he whoop you when you do wrong sometimes? You go down a wrong path and you're making the wrong choices. Do you find that God kind of gets involved and kind of messes you around a little bit and gets you back on track? That's because God is your father. God doesn't discipline the devil's kids. God disciplines his own children. So if you're being chastised by God, that's an evidence that you are a child of God. Not only that, if you're under conviction of the Holy Spirit of God, that's an evidence that you are a child of God. Only a child of God feels a conviction about their sin. Hey, before I was saved, I could play in the rock band. We're involved in drugs and whatever else goes along with it. And you know what? Sure, I knew it's not the best thing in the world, but it really didn't bother me that much. But I tell you, I got saved. I couldn't do that no more. I tried. I mean, it was a big part of my life. How do I just let this go, God? <laughs> Maybe I can do Christian rock, God. I tried that. You know what the Holy Spirit said? No. Yeah. And finally got it through my thick skull. I said, okay, I'm hanging this up. Until I can do this to glorify you, I'm not doing it. And that's what I did. Then he called me to preach. He said, you don't need that anyway. You just need this book. Hey, yeah. Now I'm, I'm for using my guitar for God's glory, if that's what he wants me to do. But he doesn't want me to do that. He wants me to preach. You understand that? I'm led by the Spirit of God. He's been leading my life. He has been convicting me. He has been whooping me. <laughs> when I needed it. And you know what? It got me back on track. You're not going to get away with it, Christian. Whatever thing you're doing in the dark there, you're not going to get away with it. God is going to deal with you one way or another because he's a good father. He's a better father than your father was. And he's not going to let you get away with it because you're being led by the Spirit of God. Two courses. I want to talk about sonship. Notice what it says here. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Only those that are born again are called sons of God. You've got to be born again. If you're not born again, you're not the Son of God. Only sons of God can be led of the Spirit. I already talked about this. Because they have been made alive in Christ. So only the Son of God will be led in the Spirit. And let me tell you another thing. Sons does not mean that only males are led of the Spirit. You see all the feminists. That Bible, there's something wrong with that Bible. No, the Bible is very accurate. In fact, it has to say sons there. Sons is a very accurate term right there. There's other times where the Bible does talk about female. It talks about, uh, it says, Wherefore, come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord, and I will receive you, and I shall be a father unto you, and you shall be unto me as sons and daughters. Now, why does he say that there and not here? Because there he's talking about the earth. Here he's talking about a heavenly position. Folks, 
You'll never see in heaven any feminine relation there. It's all male. God is male. Angels are male. Son of God is male. Spirit of God is male. And when you're up there, it's going to be in the masculine as well. It's not that you become a man. <laughs> but it's in the masculine sense. Because the Bible says that females were made out of the rib out of the side of Adam because he was, he was, he was alone. And it's not good for man to be alone. And also God wanted to, us to procreate and, and to replenish the earth. And so there was a purpose in marriage for male and female. But the Bible tells us in Galatians 3.28, it says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. So he eliminates that whole categorization. The world wants to make everything about that categorization, but that categorization, as important as it is for your family and for your uh, reproduction and for your relationships, there's going to be a day where that will not be necessary. Yeah. Yikes! <laughs> the Bible tells us in Mark 12, verse 24, And Jesus answering said unto them, Do ye not therefore err, because ye know not the Scriptures, neither the power of God? For when they shall rise from the dead, they neither marry nor, nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels which are in heaven. So that means that in heaven there's no marriage. There's no husband-wife relationship in heaven. We all go back to that general classification of sons before God. Just like the angels. Not male or female. Sons. Now you may, in the feminist mindset, I, I just can't reconcile that. It doesn't mean all of a sudden you want to go pump iron and, and you want to go shoot animals, ladies. That isn't what makes a son. A son is a relationship with God. And so when it's talking about the sons of God, you are regarded as a son of God. Because it's talking about a positional sense. Sometimes he mentions daughters, but then he's talking specifically of what you're doing down there. Amen? So think about that. So this ought not offend you as female. Because the roles we have that are dependent upon male and female end at resurrection. At the resurrection, it's over. So the Mormons are wrong. There is no male telling the ladies what to do for eternity. You all become equal before God and we all are working in that economy on an equal level before the Lord. You'll all be ruling and reigning. Only the men will be the kings, no. Because it's not a matter of male and female because those don't exist in Christ. So that means you as a lady, if you're faithful to God, you can rule and reign with Christ. Amen? And it doesn't always mean there's going to be a man over you <laughs> because those things won't exist anymore. And guys, your idea of what a man is won't exist there either. Amen? But you'll still be who you are. The world wants to make everything, whether you're a male or female. <laughs> and you can choose what you can't choose. This is what God wanted for down here because he wanted to procreate and he wanted to replenish the earth. He wanted us to have a relationship that would demonstrate the salvation that Christ has with a believer. It's a sermon. Your life is like that. But after we're resurrected, there's no need for that. <laughs> you understand that? I hope that doesn't disappoint you too bad. 
Some of you ladies say, oh, what am I going to do without my husband? I'll, can I, it'll be okay. <laughs> You'll get there and that question won't even come to your brain. Because you're all going to be in perfect fellowship together. Amen. So when God is speaking to us all as the sons of God, he's reminding us uh, all from our limitations of society and is placing us into his heavenly economy where we are truly equal in every way. Amen. So it's not a slight on the ladies. In fact, it's actually good. It's placing you in the same place as everybody else. So are all people on earth God's children? No. Only those that have been born again have been adopted into God's family. In John 1.12, only those that are born again have the right of sonship. And that includes you, ladies. Amen? It says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So that new birth gives you the right to sonship. That's what it says right there. Only the children of God that are scattered in the world are going to be gathered towards God one day out of all the people of the earth. So he's not going to come and gather everybody. It says here in John eleven fifty two, 52, and not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. So what he's doing is he's going to see all the children of God throughout the whole earth. And the Bible says he's going to call them all up. All those individual children of God to himself. It's called the rapture. You know who's going to take the children of God? There's going to be a lot of people left. The Spirit of God testifies to our spirit that we are God's children. Verse 16 of chapter 8 says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. This is not a feeling. And I've talked to people many times, oh, spiritual, yeah, spiritual. You talk about the new birth, they don't even know what you're talking about. But they talk about the spiritual life and spiritual things and spiritual this. I remember I talked to one guy, he was involved in AA and he was all spiritual, spiritual. But I asked him about his salvation. He wasn't saved. He was deceived. It's not a feeling. It's a fact. It's a fact based upon Bible principle. The Bible says that he regenerates you. You become born again when you receive Christ as your Savior. As many as received him, the Spirit of God will testify in your heart that you have done that. So this morning, you're sitting there. Do you have a testimony in you by God's Spirit that you have received Christ you are born again. You are his child. Not because you feel that everybody should be God's child. Not because you just feel spiritual. You've been on top of a mountain and it was so peaceful and I must be God's child. No, because of the fact of what the scripture says and the verification of the spirit of God saying, yes, you have received Christ. You are born again. Do you have that inside of you? Or do you every day wake up and say, oh, I wonder if I'm going to go to heaven. Folks, The Spirit of God is in you to testify. Do you have the testimony? And he always lines up with Scripture. He doesn't line up with emotion. He lines up with the Scripture. Amen? God's children have a nature to do right. And I realize... 
Christians do wrong. We can do some stupid things sometimes. And in fact, when you dig in your heels, you could almost be worse than some of the lost people. Remember we talked about that in Romans chapter 7? How that because of that law and the understanding of the truth, you actually go further than some of the lost people. They say, oh man, those Christians are whack. Well, they can be. <laughs> But you know what? All in all, you're still one of those that can walk after the Spirit. You're the only ones that can follow God. You're the only ones that have an inclination in their heart to live a right life. I've met very few, in fact, I've never met a true Christian when I ask them, no matter what kind of life they live, do you want to do right? They always say yes. Sometimes they're so messed up in their thinking they don't know how to get it straight. Folks, we need to understand that. God is not just going to take you and make you a robot and make you walk a certain way and move you around the way you're supposed to walk. You've got to make decisions and you've got to deal with the things in your heart and mind that are hindering you from being what God wants you to be. But all I know is that in you, there's a, de a desire. If someone were to ask you, do you want to do right? You'd say, yes, I do. Yeah. And sometimes that's the most frustrating part of your life. You want to do right, but you don't know how. Or there's things bothering you, or you got bitterness, and you don't know how to deal with it. So sometimes you need help. And that's why we're here. Amen? Amen. Not just here to judge you and throw you out the door. <laughs> we want to help people. If there are people coming here, they've had immoral sins in their life, we want to help them. They've been drug addicts, we want to help them. <laughs> they've been drunkards, we want to help them. All kinds of things, folks, over my experience. I've dealt with everything you could possibly think. I've dealt with abusers. I tried to help them. Do you understand that? But if they're born again, do you want to do right? Yes, preacher, I want to do right. 1 John 3, 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. And that's talking about you too, ladies. Amen. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So we are the sons of God today, and we're not everything we ought to be, but the Bible says that when he comes, we are going to become very quickly everything that we are supposed to be. Because we're going to be like him. And it says, And every man that hath his hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. That means you've got to continue to have the, the hope of Christ's return before you every day. There, there's an attack in the church today, mid-trib rapture, post-trib rapture. I'll tell you what that's all about. It's trying to get your mind off the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. An important part of the Christian life is that you believe that Jesus could come back at any possible moment. The same way when you're a child at home and your parents says, take care of that house, clean up that kitchen, we're gone for a little while, we're going to come back, it better be cleaned up by the time we get back, it keeps you diligent, it keeps you looking, it keeps you dealing with stuff, and the devil wants to take that away from you. So he wants you to wait for the Antichrist instead of the Christ. And if you're mid-trip rapture, you're waiting for the Antichrist, you're not waiting for Christ. Because he's going to show up before Christ will. But the Bible tells me 
that if I've got a scriptural view, I believe in the imminent return of Christ. That means that at any moment, Jesus could come. And you know what? There's a reason all this doctrine is going wacky today when it comes to eschatology is because the devil is trying to get you to go to sleep. He doesn't want you to think that the return is imminent. He wants you to think there's a whole bunch of things that have to happen first. So just relax. Take a break. No, sir. You're not going to get this from this preacher. Jesus could come back before this service is done. There's nothing he needs to do to prove himself to you. And that's why I'm against those doctrines. Everybody can believe what they want. But I'm going to tell you something. It attacks the very fundamental heart of the local assembly. I will not let that pass in this house. These people here are going to learn in the imminent return of Christ. Daddy says he's coming home. Are you ready? Are you ready for him? Oh, all the old hymn singers of the past and the writers did believe that. Are you ready? Are you ready? They all believe that imminent return. Now all of a sudden, what? I talked to one person. I said, so basically you're saying you don't believe in the imminent return of Christ. No. I said, I got a problem with that. If you believe mid-trib, guess what has to happen? The Antichrist has to rise to power. There has to be a covenant made with Israel for seven years. There's a whole bunch of trumpet judgments that are going to take place. You'll be able to look at them. Oh, yeah, the Bible says that. Oh, yeah, there it is. I can tell you what's going to happen next. Oh, yeah, he's going to set up and put himself there on that uh, temple. He's going to make himself a little thing. and He's going to, yep, convince it. You're not going to be there. Now, they may not know what's going on, but you know what's going on. I know what's going on right now. There's no way you can believe in imminent return of Christ, believing in a mid-trib or post-trib or pre-wrath or whatever kind of rapture you think you believe in. And that doctrine has no place in this place. Preacher, you're just so funny. Yes, I am, because I really do believe it's very important to the house of God, to the individual believer. Very important. That's why your parents did that to you. By the time we get back, you better have that done. Amen? That's why they did that to you. Because they knew it was important that you learned to get ready for them. My wife, every time she goes shopping, tells the boys, Hey, boys, she gets home. It's not done. She's like, <laughs> I'll tell you something. The Bible says many will be ashamed at his coming. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. Maybe they're mid-trib rapture, rapture believers. Oh, I didn't expect you to come so soon. You understand? Anyways, let's go on. Every man that hath this hope in him purify himself even as he is pure. That means you have that hope in you. You're constantly purifying yourself. You're saying, I want to be like him. I want to get, I want to get ready. I want to get my heart right. I, I, you know, it's like the bride waiting for, this, this was a, a truth of the, uh, the Hebrew marriage. They would be betrothed to one another and he would give the dowry to the parents and then he would go home to his father and prepare a place for the bride. 
And the bride wouldn't know when the bridegroom was going to come and pick her up until the father said, it's time to go. I could see you prepared enough here. And now go and get your bride. But no man knew that day or hour. Only the father which is in heaven. And the bridegroom during all that time is saying, I better keep myself clean. I better keep myself white. I better keep myself right because he could come any day now. You don't get that mid-trip. That's all the things that God has taught us about being prepared for the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, those of you that are mad at me, come on. <laughs> you knew what we are. It's on the website. <laughs> Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for the sin is the transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. So, you're here today. You're born again. You know why Jesus came. I got a problem with people that say, well, it has nothing to do with sins. You can go and live like the devil. It doesn't really matter. Folks, you know that he came to take away sin. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. That's why Jesus came. He was made manifest to take it away. Let's live like we believe it. A child of God that knows that will say, Yes. Jesus came to take away the sins. Then why am I continuing to make excuses for my sins? Why am I saying, oh, it's God's grace. It's just God's grace. We can go on in sin. It doesn't really matter. I'm sorry. He was manifest to take away your sins. His grace is not given to you so you can go on in sin. His grace was given to you so that you could deal with your sin. So you can live a holy life. That's why grace is given. Grace is given so that even though you have a thorn in the flesh, you can still do right. You don't have to be a victim your whole life. Grace is given to you so you can go on and have the power of God in your life to do what God asks you to do. For the grace that brings salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness and to live soberly in this present world. Holy. That's grace. It goes on to say, Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Now this word sinneth, I've sinned, preacher, well, so have I. <laughs> Doesn't mean I've never known him. No, you've got to look at the, some of the tenses of these words. When it's talking about sinneth, it's talking about an ongoing habitual life of sin. You can get away with just sinning and sinning and sinning and sinning. You've never known God. It says, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. We go back to our Romans chapter 8, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. See, folks, 
It doesn't mean that because you've sinned today that somehow you're not born of God. But when it's talking about committing sin, whosoever born of God doth not commit sin, it's talking about an ongoing lifestyle of sin and you're getting away with it. On and on. I'm living in a lifestyle of sin. If God has never whooped you, if God has never convicted you, if God has never corrected you, and you go on and on and on, you've never been given the righteousness of God. You're not born again. But you understand, I prayed. Everybody, I get that all the time. I'm not gonna, I pray all the time. It's believing in your heart. Believing you're a sinner. Believing that Jesus came. Believing that he came to take away your sin. Believing that you're guilty. Believing there's a penalty. Believing that, that if I don't get this settled, I will go to hell forever. Believing that I deserve it. I should go to hell forever. But by his mercy, he's reaching out to me. Lord, please save me. Not this, I prayed a prayer. And maybe you just did just pray a prayer. <laughs> and maybe you did get saved by praying a prayer. But that prayer was linked to something that was here. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But it, says all, it also says, but whosoever believeth in his heart that God hath raised him from the dead shall be saved. We're not a child of God. We've been called the child of wrath. The Bible calls us the child of the flesh. John 8, 44, it says, You're your, your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. You're a child of the devil. So is everybody a child of God? No. No. Only those that are born of God are the children of God. Only those that are born of God will be in the rapture. Only those that are born of God have the right to claim sonship based on that new birth, that adoption. Amen. So let me ask you this today. Are you born of God? Now, I don't want to shake your salvation, but if I can shake it, maybe it needs to be shook. But if you're here today and you say, you know what? I do all kinds of things that aren't right. I never feel bad about it. I never get corrected. I don't even feel convicted. Maybe you need to be born of God. Because the Bible says if you're born of God, you do not commit sin. <laughs> now you're going to sin. You're going to do wrong things. But I'll tell you, the moment you sin, immediately you're going to say, oh. Lord, I let you down again because you're in a relationship with a father now. The spirit has connected you to a father, a heavenly father, and he speaks to you and he's close to you. And whenever you do something wrong, you notice that and you say, oh, I messed up. And that helps you not to do it again. And that's why you cannot live in a life of habitual sin and constant sinful lifestyles, going to the bar all the time and just having a good old time and not worrying about, folks, you are not a Christian. No, sir. But you know what, we're living in a day and age where churches are like, oh yeah, that's, oh yeah, you're, 
We need to get back to the scripture. It says, be not deceived. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. Don't be deceived. Oh, you know what? I just want to believe so. Folks, it doesn't help to treat people like they're saved if they're not saved just so you can feel good about yourself until they go to hell. That just does not make sense. And sometimes you just got to say, hey, you need to be saved, man. I'm afraid for you. Stop playing that game with people. Treating them like they're saved when there's nothing about them that even remotely looks like they're saved. Just because they talked about Jesus once or twice. Those that are born of God do want to do and they do right even though they mess up. And just the fact that you're here is a good sign. Something's going on in you. Either you're seeking for the answer of salvation or you're saying, Lord, I gotta, I gotta make more decisions that are right. I need help to do right. Amen. But if you're lost here today, could you please get saved? You're not doing yourself any favors staying lost. And don't worry about, oh, that right stuff. I don't know if I could do <laughs> You never could. Folks, I could have never done right if Christ didn't come into my heart. Don't keep him out of your life because you're scared of what you could not do. <laughs> when you get saved, he'll give you everything you need to do what you need to do. I can't be a father either. I'm not a good father. It's only as I surrender to the Lord that I can be a good father. There's no natural thing in me that makes me a good dad. There's no natural thing in me that makes me a good pastor. If I would naturally be a pastor, I'd be the worst one on the planet. All of those things God has to do in me and through me. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. A lot of you could do real well in realizing where you really are. You're not that great. You really aren't. You need to get over yourself. Stop thinking that you are just it. You're really not. <laughs> and the sooner we can get down to the bottom and say, Lord, I really am nothing. <laughs> That's where God starts. Amen? Amen. I hear people, oh, I could do this, I could do that. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Your eye is making me sick. You got an eye disease. You can do nothing. You know what? If you're not getting saved here today because you just, well, I just don't know if I can do, I don't know if I can live that Christian. You can't. That's why you're coming to him. You're, you're, you're completely void of that which is Right? And so you need him to give it to you. That's why you come to him. You want his righteousness in your life. You want to do right. Lord, I'm tired of my sin. You're under conviction. The Holy Spirit of God is pouring down on you and saying, you need to get this settled. Listen to him. That's a ministry of the Holy Spirit of God to the lost man. He's drawing you to the Father. Listen to him. He wants to do good things for you. He wants to come into your heart. He wants to make you regenerated. He wants to make you into a son. All these relationships with God, you can have it all.
but you got to trust Christ. Amen. Christian, are you doing right? Now, the thing is, you can't look at all your failures and say, well, I just must be lost. No, maybe it just could be you're not allowing the Lord to change your thinker. How much time are you spending in this book? How much time are you meditating on the Word of God? Are you even looking up a definition of a word every once in a while? Are you trying to understand the things of the Lord? Amen? That's what changes this up here. You'll do better. You'll do more right as you allow him to change your, change your mind.